Good to have you here, three and out. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you're with us here on the show. So much to get to here on the program. We'll talk uh, with Dexter Carter, Super Bowl 29 champion with the 49ers out of Baxley, Georgia. We'll get to, uh, his thoughts on who's left in the playoffs. Could it be a 49ers uh, Cinderella story uh, moving forward? Also, Charlie Campbell, Walter Football will join us. We'll talk a little draft uh, with him. Our good friend uh, Jason Longshore, soccer down here in Atlanta United Radio Network, will join us coming up uh, in just a little bit as well as World Cup qualifying resumes tonight as well. But, it, fellas, it has been a busy day for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do they have their coach? Do they not have their coach? Is the GM in? Is Trent Baalke out? Our next guest will hopefully shed some light on it. If there's uh, light to be shed as of uh, 3.05 this afternoon, Chris Porter First Coast News in Jacksonville joins us. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? What's up, fellas? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Hey, man, we're doing fantastic. This is a lot of, uh, you know, as the world turns here with the Jags, they want Byron Leftwich. Don't know if they can get him because of the GM situation. Their second choice is now the head coach at the Bears. What is what is going on in Jacksonville today? Well, listen, man, my sources uh, told right in early this morning that it's no doubt the Jacksonville Jaguars that wanted Byron Leftwich since we reported it Monday night during our 11 o'clock newscast. There is a holdup, I'm told. And the biggest sticking point is the general manager, Trent Baalke, who's currently with the Jaguars. Leftwich wants his guy. His guy is Adrian Wilson, played for uh, the Arizona Cardinals. He is uh, now their man out there, vice president of uh, pro scouting, uh, he's a guy that's worked his way up through that organization. He's also in their ring of honor. Now, we also have seen reports that it's, it's, it's pretty much a deal as far as Adrian Wilson coming to Jacksonville. Uh, one of my horses just texted me a second ago and said there, the Jags legal team are looking over the contract, giving a counter offer, that kind of thing. You know how negotiations go. But uh, that's to be seen. Now, if that domino, when that domino falls, you would think it would then make perfect sense for the team to move forward and then bring if Leftwich, if that is the guy that Leftwich wants to be the GM. Now, I know people are listening today. You're probably saying if the Jacksonville Jaguars should be good at anything or should know how this game works, uh, uh, that is hiring a head coach and a GM because it seems as if, if not every year, every other year we're in this position. Me personally, I think this should have been wrapped up on yesterday. Uh, me personally, uh, if you're Byron Leftwich, I'm not saying this is what it is. We know he wants the GM, but it's also boiling down to money, especially when you see somebody like Matt Rule, who's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, who's getting $9 million a year and had done things. All right? So, again, where we're at now, uh, uh, Adrian Wilson was being, being told that's going to happen at some point, hopefully today. Then I'm thinking once that domino falls, then we'll get Byron Leftwich to come on back home, uh, if you'll let me say that. Well, you mentioned it there. Maybe we see something today. Uh, I believe the Broncos have, have hired their coach, the uh, Bears. I mean, is there a timeline here? Is there a sense that we better get this done by the weekend or, or, or have some sort of an answer here soon? Well, I tell you what, when you started the day with nine NFL teams needing a head coach and two of those teams have found their head coaches and now you're the Jaguars, one of the seven uh, that has not. And then when you consider that, we were being told that Nathaniel Hackett was supposed to be in Jacksonville today interviewing for this job for a second time. If there, if there's a man that you want to get, you got to put a move on it. Because now we understand that the New Orleans Saints are in the mix for 
uh, Byron Leftwich, that he's interviewing with the Saints for that vacancy there. So you would think the team would have a heightened sense of urgency. Uh, and, 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 and also, listen to this. This is a major. They're saying this is going to be a, an exhaustive search. It's going to be a thorough process. I get it. This is, in my opinion, the most important hire Rashad Khan, because you've got this kid, Trevor Lawrence, who everybody's saying uh, is this generational quarterback who in his last 10 games did not look good at all except in the finale. So you need the left wish thing would make sense because you need somebody to come in and to fix Lawrence in the offense. I mean, Chris, Chris Doyle, Urban Meyer, uh, Tim Tebow. Why is it Why is it when it comes to Rashad Khan? I mean, somebody is giving this – is, this is, somebody is throwing him an alley-oop. And he's like, no, man, I'm not, I'm not going to take the easy bucket at the end of the day. I mean, you talk about a guy like Byron Leftwich, uh, Chris, how much do he write a lot of wrongs and kind of make Shia Khan look like he know what the hell he's doing? You know what? I think the simplest way to answer your question without being going here you're, and taking up all of you guys' time is dysfunctional organizations do dysfunctional things. Um, and 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 the the biggest example that I can give you is if Leftwich is your guy, and if his stipulation is for Balky to be fired, you know, put somewhere in the organization, I think you know, they need to fire him, and he wants Adrian Wilson. Why aren't you doing? Why haven't you done everything to make that happen and close the deal? But then I have to say, Chris, you've been here 13 years. Shot Khan has been the owner for a while. Dysfunctional organizations do dysfunctional things. Yeah, absolutely nuts. And as you said, the Jags, uh, if if what you said has been reported that the Saints have entered the chat, so to speak, on uh, on Byron Leftwich, I mean, you could be talking about three the three guys you've allegedly interviewed the most not landing any of them. I mean, and we talk about this in college football all the time. You don't want to publicly go out there and say we settled for our fifth or sixth choice, and that's essentially what would happen to the Jags if they can't land Byron Leftwich. And, and you know, they, they will look bad because – my sources have told me Byron Leftwich has been the guy from the beginning, that in fact when he interviewed with uh, Shah Khan and the rest of the top brass on Monday, he, he blew them away. He blew Khan away. He was extremely impressed with uh, Byron Leftwich. And also, you know, the thing with Nathaniel Hackett, uh, reports saying he's going to Denver and then Matt Eberflus went to Chicago. If, the, if, if those two guys, one of your top three picks, and, and, and Leftwich is the top pick, what are we waiting on? Make a move. I mean, and, and of the three, you would be hard-pressed to find someone who I think would want the job more, not even considering that Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback. He's played here. He knows what this, the, the fan base is like. He knows how passionate they are here. He knows what it takes to win and do ball. I think he would be the guy, besides the fact when you look at what he's done as an offensive coordinator – down in Tampa Bay, and I know people are going to say, hey, how can you be spectacular when you have some break? Forget his first year you had Jameis Winston. And all Jameis Winston did was throw for more than 5,000 yards, 33 touchdowns. His only problem was he had issues with interceptions. And Bruce Arians has said it time and time again, Leftwich runs the offense. He is the man. Jaguars. This guy's Jaguar through and through. Make the deal. I mean, close the deal. Close it. To that point, Chris, I mean, how, how frustrated are the fans getting where you have a great hire right there and you just have these holdups, like you said, dysfunction. How frustrated are the fans at this point? Let me let me go to my phone right quick. Let me roll. This morning uh, at around um, uh, 4, it had to be around 7, 25, 7, 30, 
Uh, I tweeted the fact that my source is telling me that Leverage wants to jump, but the holdup is he wants uh, Trent Baalke out, right? Since then, this uh, tweet has gotten 1,685 retweets, 3,523 likes, 281 quote tweets, and every Jaguar fan is saying this. What is the holdup? We want this guy. Leftwich is the dude. They have been clamoring for Shot to make the move since we found out that he was one of their top three. They are just waiting on Khan to seal the deal. And, Chris, even bigger than the fans, uh, what does it say to the players? If you are Trevor Lawrence, they know who Byron Leftwich is. They know what he's done uh, the last two years for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you are Josh Allen and, you know, kind of like guys are going to be here for a while, what does it say to them? We're like, look, man, we, we're not just football players anymore. We're informed football players. We actually got social media accounts. We know what's going on. Why not do it for those guys who actually got to go out there and strap it up every Sunday? You know what? If I were a player on the team – and, and, and considering uh, all the things that you said about Leftwich, and, and you didn't say that he, he would be relater, relatable to this uh, current roster, this young roster they have across the street, it, it makes you question, the, you know, the vision and the plan for the organization. Because as you said so eloquently there, they, they are well-versed in what's going on. They're on social media. They know Byron Leftwich. I mean, this guy is a two-time Super Bowl winner as a backup in Pittsburgh behind Ben Roethlisberger and then last year uh, with, the, uh, with the Bucks. And we know nothing else from last year. What ended up being our team's strength was the defense, which we thought would, would be the weakness, and our offense was just anemic. It, it was terrible. Trevor did not look like a kid who was the first overall pick in the draft. And it just makes common sense to get a guy who has proven that he can uh, uh, call offense. He's been in the top four of his offenses since he got to Tampa Bay in 2019. It just goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. I don't want to sound like I'm repeating. It just really makes the players really begin to think and probably believe, man, when is this dysfunction going to, going to end? I mean, Chris, I mean, when it's all said and done, I mean, you're talking about you, hopefully I have a uh... – Hope they have a decision by the day or tomorrow. I mean, uh, do you have to go out there and get you an Adam Schefter type phone? Because I'm pretty sure the one you got now just stays blowing up. Hey, listen, I knew this was big when Twitter uh, sent me a message message asking, "Would you like because you're getting so many uh, so many so much response for us to set up a filter for all of your notifications?" I told them no. That's all I've been doing all day. I'm stuck to the phone, reading, calling, texting, doing whatever I can because, you know, you want to be the first to break the news. So I told Twitter, if, 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 I don't need an Adam Schefter phone. I'll just try to keep this. I don't know if I have that I-12, I-13, one of them. <laughs> so far, so good. Chris Porter, First Coast News, joining us here on a 3 Now, Chris, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Call me anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Chris Porter joining us. And, again, he's saying hopefully get done maybe today. Or tomorrow, reports are that Trent Baalke will be out. Maybe they're trying to work on that and get Leftwich guy uh, in at GM. But as he said, Jags have been a dysfunctional franchise for a while. And certainly this year was the highlight of dysfunction where you had head coaches telling guys, no, nah, don't go back in the game real quick. You know, just, that's just a highlight of it. And now something that should be as straightforward as a coaching hire can't even be done uh, without having to get some kind of concession that the GM needs to go or things of that nature. And it just seems like it can't ever be easy if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan watching this thing play out where there's a guy who you know wants the job. Like, to be Byron Leftwich wants the uh, wants the job, former Jaguar, and you can't get it done, I, I, at least not in a timely manner. 
Yeah, and it's like Chris said, what are you waiting for? Close the deal. And if you're a Jaguars fan, you've dealt with just so much dysfunction, again, to use that word, and I I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. You're talking about a great hire. You're talking about uh, a, a move that would energize the fan base. I mean, if you're a Jacksonville fan, Chris said he's getting all the mentions, and you see it. If you go on the message boards or the blogs or social media, fans are frustrated. Fans want Byron Leftwich, and they want to know, what the holdup is. I think at the end of the day, I mean, the one thing that Chris is expressing is frustration from all sides. You talk about the fan base, you talk about the players, because people are people are asking themselves, why wouldn't Byron Leftwich come in and say, hey, man, I want to be the head coach of Jacksonville, but he talked about the Matt Rule situation. I think I got a pretty, you know, I think my resume is, you know, way more suitable than the Matt Rule, so I want to I want to make what he's making and more, and I want to do it with my guys, Adrian Wilson, because the one thing that we keep on saying is resonating with the players. You know you want to win. What makes players go out there and want to play for you when you when you understand them as people as well as players? And who wants to work with Trent Baalke? What about Trent Baalke makes you think he can get it done? Nothing. So so name a person that comes into a new job or you want to hire me to be to run your company. I'm not gonna come in with demands. You don't want to meet my demands. That means you don't want me. And like you said, Kevin, keep on. You know you're gonna find yourself in a Tennessee situation. You know what? Uh, two <laughs> years ago, you got the 12 guy. You know what? Uh, in your Rolodex, who just happened to not change his number yet. We'll see what happens. Yeah, because it'd be very interesting to see how this continues to play out. We'll get you the very latest if something happens there with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, search, and we'll talk with Demetrius Harvey coming up of Big Cat Country in the final hour. Maybe there's a new head coach by then. Maybe there's a new GM and not a new head coach. We'll have to wait and see, but Demetrius Harvey will join us final hour of the program. Still to come, Charlie Campbell, WalterFootball.com this hour will join us. And when we return, Dexter Carter, Super Bowl 29 champion, running back with the 49ers. We're talking playoff football with him here on 3. Four left in the National Football League playoffs. We'll know who's in the Super Bowl uh, following uh, Sunday's games coming up. Our next guest, he knows what it's like to be in that Super Bowl setting. Uh, won a championship, Super Bowl 29 as running back there with the 49ers out of uh, Baxley, Georgia. Dexter Carter. Jordan is here on three now. Dexter, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. Hey, pleasure being with you again. Hey, appreciate you coming on and and joining us. And certainly, we had a wild weekend of games uh, last week. The 49ers going on, an, uh, you know, the the frozen tundra of Lambeau and and winning. How how hard is it to win games on the road like that in the postseason? Do people understand? Uh, certainly. Uh, what that environment's like when you're in the playoffs trying to go beat a, a team on the road like that? You know what? The 49ers, um, whether it's home or away, the 49er fans, they they travel, and they travel well. But still, you know, it's difficult playing in, at the opposing team's um, home, you know, especially when you're in Green Bay with the weather like it was. But the 49ers proved once again that they can go into the enemy's territory and play power football and have bad weather and 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 run their game plan. I mean, it was incredible going into Green Bay, um, you know, quite confident, you know, after winning five straight games and going in there and winning six straight and having a pretty good record against um, – uh, against uh, man, I don't forgot the quarterback's name. He, <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, Green Bay's quarterback. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah, Rodgers hadn't you know done too well, you know, but you still can't underestimate it. But at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan took a ball club in there, and with that bad weather, you got to do one, a couple things really well. You got to play power football, and you got to run that football. 
and that's what they did. That that's that's what they hang, you know, their their wins and losses on is that that running game, and they ran very well and was able to come out, you know, in that you know cold weather game, you know, with uh, another victory and another go at the NFC Championship game. And not only to win in Green Bay, but but to win in in Dallas before that. I mean, you think about uh, traditional yeah. franchises. You think about tough places to play to go and win in Dallas, then to go and win in Green Bay. How impressive is it to do that back-to-back? It is very impressive, and that's why they're a comfortable ball, ball club going into, you know, L.A. and playing the Rams. Um, they've been very fortunate against the Rams the last couple of games, but then again, you know, it's the NFC Championship game, and you got to go in and you got to take it because the Rams are playing very, very well with Matthew Stafford. O- OBJ is coming around, and found his place on that all in that offense. So they've got some stars all around that Rams team. But I tell you what, the Port Niners come they're coming in there with some stars too. So it is gonna be very, very exciting. Kyle Shanahan is the guy that seems uh, just understands offense, but he seems to understand like how this team, uh, you know, just rallies around just being able to play that underdog role. You talking about San Francisco coming in with some with some guys that can play. I mean, Debo Samuels, uh, you know, uh, George killing that defense, but they playing against a Rams team that they've already beat before. How much? How much more confidence, you know, Dexter, do you have knowing that listen, we've already played this team before and beat them? The stakes are obviously a little higher this time, though. It's a little higher, and we beat them in San Francisco. So, you know, it is a bigger challenge, you know, although we've done well in Dallas this this postseason and in Green Bay, but it's still another big challenge going into L.A. Um, L.A. went out and got Matthew Stafford for a purpose, and that purpose has proven true thus far as far as um, him leading them to, you know, the NFC Championship game, but then, you know, golf as quarterback led him to the Super Bowl. So Matthew still got another step to go. But um, those 49ers, man, uh, I mean, you look at every position. You know, Kittles never raises his voice if he's not catching the ball. You know, if he's got a block, he'll block. Um, but when he's called upon, he lets loose and um, just becomes an awesome one of the top two or three tight ends in the league. And then, you know, and, and then – Early on, we lost literally uh, two or three of our running backs, and we had to rely on a rookie, Mitchell, to come in and who has played very, very well. But then Kyle Shanahan figures out, you know, hey, I got an all-purpose Debo Sam- Samuels that can play anywhere I put him. So you know what? They are riding high because they can put the ball in Debo Samuels' hands. People can know they're putting it in his hands. And with that offensive line, led by Williams at that left tackle spot, they are making it happen. I mean, they just got to go out there and just continue the game plan to play power football and run the ball regardless. Kyle Shanahan believes if he can run the ball 35 to 40 times a game, there's nobody can uh, stop that offense. So, And as long as Garoppolo minimizes, hopefully eliminates the turnovers because when you're going up against, you know, that great defense, we cannot have those turnovers, and especially now with Matt Stu Stafford really hitting on all um, cylinders, it's going to be hard to go in there and win with having turnovers. Dexter Carter joining us here on 3 Down. And Dexter, you mentioned just run the ball, and the 49ers certainly do that well. Speak to the importance of the run game where so much we're talking about these quarterbacks and last week it's big throws uh, to set up game-winning field goals. But how important uh, is the run game and how 
do you feel it's kind of getting overlooked at times now in today's game? You know what? Um, now the rules are set up, you know, for the arrow, um, arrow assault, you know, to throw the ball. So that's why it's so awesome the way Kyle Shanahan is making um, it important and putting the emphasis on the running game, regardless of what happens. I know Garoppolo's stats don't look great, you know what, but right now at this particular time, Garoppolo is the right guy to be in there, you know, because, one, you know, he is pretty efficient, and his win-loss record speaks for itself since he's been in San Francisco, and we are run first, pass second team. And if you uh, look at the Bills, and you guys mentioned earlier about, uh, I believe you said something about the weekend of football. Man, this was the, hey, I play in 100 NFL football games, and I value the games that we played. Played in four NFC championship games, you know, fortunate enough to win one and go and win the Super Bowl. But I tell you, this weekend was incredible, the talent and how competitive it was. And one of them specifically focused on that run game. You look at Buffalo. Buffalo has a good running game, but what I love about Buffalo, unfortunately they lost, but they have a quarterback that can literally run like a fullback, you know, so they put the emphasis on the run game, even though they've got a good running back in Singleton. They make sure that um, their quarterback has, knows that he has the option to run the ball when he feels he needs to. And that's why this weekend I know – the Rams want to get that running game going with Acres and I. I love my Florida State guy. He runs the ball well, and they have a good running game. But I think if we go out there in that good L.A. weather and, again, make sure that we know – we don't care if they know we're going to run the ball because we have the lineman now that can block and can power – you know, use that power game. Now, Arnold is going to be tough. I mean, that defensive line is off the chain very, very good, as well as our defensive front or our entire front seven. But at the end of the day, Debo Samuels is going to get his carries and Mitchell is going to get his, and we're going to run, run, run the ball, and we're going to put an emphasis on it. So um, it's going to be tough. But I think, you know what, the 49ers going into L.A. again, it's hard to beat a team more than twice in one season, and it's hard to beat them six in a row. But but you know what? Hey, we got to go in there and do what we got to do, and I believe the 49ers would do it, but it will be tough, and we cannot have turnovers and expect to win, though. 94-95, you guys obviously had incredible talent uh, on the championship team, but in addition to talent, when you look at these four teams trying to trying to win it all, what do championship teams have to have besides just great players? Well, having great players, you got to have, and you got to have complete execution and belief in the system, and um, you got to know when to call plays because you just can't call a play and expect it to happen. Kyle Shanahan has a way in which he calls plays, and uh, and 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 I don't know if you guys heard, but. Um, I think last week, usually coaches already script the first 15 plays of the game. We did that back in our day. Um, and I love doing it when I coach high school or youth football. But um, he had the first 23, I believe, plays scripted. And it was half and half. I think it was one more run than pass. And 
um, that goes to show you the emphasis on the running game. So you can have great talent, but the way in which you call the plays to kind of create the defense to be off balance, um, that's going to be very, very important because if you let Arnold get to uh, Garoppolo one too many times and then you got, you know, um, that whole defensive front, we've got to stop because um, Garoppolo doesn't throw very much, but we surely don't want him hurt because he's being hit. You know, we cannot – if we do what Cincinnati um, – uh, what happened to Cincinnati even though they won, we cannot have Garoppolo being sacked nine-plus times and expect to win the game regardless of how good our running game is. So if we run the ball 45-plus times, then I don't think the Rams will have a chance to, you know, sack us nine-plus times. I think our offensive line is just um, too good for that. And Dexter, how satisfying is it when we talk about you talk about these uh, these wide open offenses now? They got the rules set to where you know you can't touch a receiver's five yards, you know, uh, you know, past the line of scrimmage. If it just comes down to solid defense, running the football, good special teams, get a win, and get back to the Super Duper Bowl. Absolutely, that's the remedy. You put it in a you put it in a box right there. If we can do that, you know, because one um, in the playoffs they have let them get away with a little bit you know, a little, you know, more hand-checking than normal, you know, and I kind of like that, you know, let the game be won on the field, but I think both teams are talented enough to where it's going to be very, very competitive, um, even if they let some things go on that back end. But um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a game to remember. Um, This season has just been crazy. You know, one, we just did sneak into the playoffs. But we started, it reminds me of uh, our 91 season, which was the only season we did not make the playoffs. But we won 10 games, but we started out really bad. And although we didn't make the playoffs, every team in, in the NFC was happy that we did not make it because we were on that run. Now, the only thing different now is that we weren't in, t- in that bad of a win, uh, a loss column where um, – uh, the 49ers got on the run at the right time, but they won enough games to get in the playoffs. So they, um, they, uh, they're, they're spiking at the right time. Dexter Carter, Super Bowl 29 champion, our guest here on a three and out. Dexter, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you, guys. You guys take care. We'll do. Dexter Carter joining us here on three and out in the 49ers and Rams this weekend for the right to go to the Super Bowl and represent the NFC. We'll come back. We'll talk in uh, pro football with. Charlie Campbell of Walter Football, going to hit the draft with him next here on 3 and Out. Here with you on this Thursday, Kevin B.J. and Ben. Of course, four teams left playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Everybody else looking ahead towards the draft. Our next guest from Walter Football has got some early thoughts here on the NFL draft. Charlie Campbell joins us here on 3 and Out. Charlie, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How you guys doing? Hey, we are, we're doing fantastic. And uh, b- before we get into specifics uh, with uh, how teams are are looking here early in in the draft. What's the best position you see here on the big board? Like, where is there the, the deepest spot you're going to get the most value if you're looking down the board? Uh, well, this year is similar to recent years in terms of really good wide receiver talent. It's just uh, every year it seems like college football is just pumping out one good class of receivers after another. Um, so, 
definitely teams that are looking for receiver help in the middle to late portion of the first round are going to find some really nice values. Edge rusher is deep this year as well. A lot of good young edge rush prospects for the first day and into day two. Uh, And then otherwise, uh, other than those two positions, cornerback is probably not quite as good, but it has some depth as well uh, for the first couple of days of the draft. Charlie, the Jacksonville Jaguars there at number one again. Last year it was obvious. Take Trevor Lawrence. What's the best option this year? Well, I think the best option would be if Kenny Pickett caught fire as a prospect and really pumped up the value of that number one pick, created a trade market, and allowed them to trade out of that spot for a boatload of picks in years to come uh, to really load up the roster with early round talents around Lawrence. I think that's the ideal uh, situation for the Jags. Now, yeah, that's incumbent completely on Kenny Pickett or maybe Malik Willis, but one of these guys kind of becoming that kind of prospect uh, at the Senior Bowl and Combine and in the meetings uh, that warrants that market to heat up. So uh, it's really out of the Jags' control. So that that is the best-case scenario for them uh, to trade out and get a lot of picks for drafts in the future. Um, but uh, if they're forced to stick and pick, I think the the options come down to an edge rusher like Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau or offensive line help. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, of those, uh, if they're forced to stick and pick, I think going with an edge rusher to pair with Josh Allen would provide them a better value uh, than the offensive linemen available. You have the Falcons selected Jordan Davis out of Georgia. I mean, how? I mean, obviously he's a you know dominant player at Georgia, but how good of a fit and how soon do you see uh, you know uh, dividends being paid off with a player like that for which he's going to be asked to do a lot for a very, 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 very bad defensive line? Yeah, I mean, I think he'd be a plug-and-play upgrade for the Falcons in terms of really uh, upgrading their size and physicality up front. You know, and if they're playing in a 3-4 set, you can put him at nose. He has enough length. He's so tall. You could even play him at five technique. Uh, in a 4-3, he can be your nose tackle. He can two-gap it and eat up blocks, uh, free up your linebackers and edge rushers. He can also get some push in the pass rush. He's never going to be a prolific sack guy, but he can be a disruptor in there and a guy that shuts down in the interior rushing attack uh, and gives them a, a nose tackle that can eat up a guard and center and, and help free up uh, Grady Jarrett to get after the quarterback as well. So uh, he would just really be a plug and play upgrade in terms of size, physicality, toughness, and meanness at the point uh, for the Falcons. And I think that's something they've been missing. Charlie Campbell, WalterFootball.com. Joining us here on Three and Out. Charlie, when you do these evaluations uh, in a situation like Jacksonville where they haven't hired a coach yet, you think it's going to be Byron Leftwich? Does the thinking change about the number one pick? I know you had Kayvon Thibodeau to the Jags. Does it change if it's Byron Leftwich, maybe more offensive-minded head coach, as opposed to if it were somebody else? No, I not really, because uh, really we've seen a lot of coaches that come from one side of the ball uh, take a player in their first draft that comes from the other side of the ball, a prospect. So 
you know, I, I don't think that will change, have a big impact on what the Jags do in terms of uh, preferring an offense or defense of player because I think they're really just going to be targeting the best player available if they're forced to stick and pick. Uh, and looking at their draft as a whole, you know, Will they be able to get offensive line help at the top of the second round, or do they go with an offensive lineman first and then take a pass rusher at the top of the second round or or go with a different position? So I think teams, you know, they'll look at the draft collectively and how they can improve their teams with their picks as a pair, especially when you're picking high uh, on day one and day two. So I, I think the Jags are in a good spot there if they are forced to stick and pick. But I think there's a, a decent chance that Kenny Pickett uh, will really rise over the senior bowl and, and help to start create a market for that pick. With the Falcons at eight, uh, I know you have uh, in your mock them taking Jordan Davis. Is there a specific need like defensive line where they should focus or are the Falcons in a position where they – should probably just go best player available overall at eight. Are you sorry? You're breaking up there. What was that? I was going to say with the Falcons at eight, is there a specific need they need to address, like defensive line potentially with Jordan Davis, or depending upon what happens in front of them, could the Falcons just take best player available, whether it's a safety, a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, etc.? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think. Uh, with where they are, they they can take the best player available. I don't think there's really a position outside of tight end. They got that locked down uh, for a long time with Kyle Pitts. So, but uh, aside from that, and there isn't a tight end worthy of going that high this year anyway. So, uh, really, I think all options are on the table for them. They could consider a safety, like you said, and Kyle Hamilton. Uh, to go with Richie Grant, or they could uh, consider a cornerback to go with uh, A.J. Terrell, whether it's Derek Stingley or uh, Trent McDuffie or Saucy Gardner from Cincinnati, uh, all really good players. Uh, Edge rusher there could be another consideration. Uh, So they definitely have everything on the table for them. And I think uh, knowing uh, how – how they attacked the draft last year with Kyle Pitts, where they took the best player available, uh, even though it wasn't a position that typically goes that high. I think that just is a sign of how this team will draft, and they're not going to reach, and they're going to go for true talent at that spot. Charlie, when you think about how fast these quarterbacks come into the league out of college and they're already making, you know, uh, paying dividends for their teams, you look at a Joe Burrow, you look at a Mac Jones, and you talk about Kenny Pickett and what he can do for himself at the senior bowl. How much easier is it for these evaluators when you got a quarterback who you put, probably can reach for who could potentially, you know, change the whole dynamic of your team? Yeah, I, I think that with with the way uh, the success that Burrow has had, I think that that helps a guy like Kenny Pickett who, like Burrow, kind of is a one-year wonder even though – Pickett had more starting experience earlier. He wasn't the dominant player that he became as a senior. Uh, And with Joe Burrow, having a skill set that is kind of similar to Pickett in terms of their size, uh, arm strength, I think Pickett might have a bit stronger arm where Burrow might be a little bit better athlete and a a little bit better runner, but both bring – you know, both uh, running and throwing ability to the table. 
I think I've talked with I've spoken with team pl- uh, sources about Pickett and Derek Carr's another comp that comes up with him. Uh, the good and the bad with Derek Carr can be kind of seen in, in Kenny Pickett. So I definitely think, uh, and, and teams have told me he's a really good kid uh, and he's a hard worker, super competitive, good teammate, takes care of his offensive linemen. Uh, so I can see him really interviewing well uh, and really convincing some coaches and GMs that he's the guy for them and, and being a player that really rises in the senior bowl and combine meetings. Charlie Campbell, WalterFootball.com joining us. And maybe it is Kenny Pickett, but it's interesting to see, uh, Charlie, who's a guy that you think teams are going to start putting stuff out there that they really like? It seems like uh, in any draft, obviously there's misinformation and guys will get hyped up. But who's a guy that you think is going to get a lot of hype coming out of the Senior Bowl and really try to be used to, to drive a market for maybe it's quarterbacks or whatever? Well, I, you know, as far as at Senior Bowl, I think uh, the other two quarter, top quarterbacks to watch there are Sam Howell at North Carolina or from North Carolina and uh, Malik Willis from Liberty are both guys that could rise. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they both, you know, make a real push starting at Senior Bowl and then through the Combine and Pro Day uh, with good workouts and interviews because I've heard good things about both of them on the character and work ethic front. Uh, they both have some, uh, you know, ability in terms of dual threat ability. Obviously, Willis uh, is a really dynamic runner. So I think both of those guys could end up being risers through the process as well. And then for some early entry guys that aren't at the Senior Bowl, I think Drake London from USC uh, and Ahmad Gardner, Saucy Gardner, the cornerback from uh, Cincinnati, I think those two uh, could be risers through the process as well. I, I know some teams that are really high on those guys. Charlie Campbell, WalterFootball.com, our guest here on 3 and Out. Charlie, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Great being with you guys. Hey, appreciate it. We've got more to come here 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Here with you on this Thursday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. A lot to get to still to come on the show. Jason Longshore will join us next hour. Talk about the World Cup qualifying resuming tonight. Apparently the debut of a new game. Do you know what well, you think you know? No, I don't. <laughs> wait, wait. You Chris can't says, preemptively I'm, I'm answer sorry. the question. Like, you don't even know how the game works. What game on this show have I been successful at? on a winning streak. Has he won? He no, has ben won. Ben is the one that's I know. I, I won, I, I've won one Jeopardy in my lifetime, and, I, and we need to go back and, uh, you know, uh, I, need, I need to archive that show. That, 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 you know, because I don't win, I don't win many, but... Kevin, this is going to be in your wheelhouse. It's going to be what you know. new game. A new game. All right. That'd be What's it called again? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what you think you know? It should be called, do I'm not going to do what you think yeah. I'm going to do. Which is flip out <laughs> and lose know? the game. All right. I got some inside info on, on, on this game. Apparently, okay. the questions are going to be specifically catered. Like, you're a baseball guy. All right. Baseball question. That should make you feel better. It doesn't. Because I always feel like there's an ulterior motive. To no, the Kevin questions. said, like, I don't know. Kevin said, yeah. I know the answer. He, he said, he's I don't smiling. Like being, like, no, Kevin no, said, no, I don't no, like the time clock and being put on the spot. Kevin said, that's not what he does well. Yeah, like, I, I don't do that. No, I don't. <laughs> Speaking of being put on the spot, Jags been put on the spot. Some reports that maybe it's getting close. We'll chat with Demetrius Harvey of Big Cat Country coming up in the final hour. And it may, it may not be some official news by the time we talk to him. But some, some reports that maybe it's at least coming to a conclusion maybe this afternoon. That'd be great. Yeah.
So we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll come back. We'll take three on the flip side uh, of this break. It's three and out all across Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live ESPNCoastal.com. You can also catch us live video streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Take three coming up next. Hour two here on this Thursday. So much to get to uh, here on the show. Apparently a lot of folks thinking that in the next little bit could see Byron Left, which named the head football coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So a lot of outlets over the last couple hours have been saying that. We'll talk to Demetrius Harvey coming up top of the final hour from Big Cat Country and see if maybe it's finalized by then. But we'll let you know as soon as uh, something happens there. We'll also talk with Jason Longshore. This hour, World Cup qualifying resumes tonight uh, for the U.S. men's national team. He will join us to talk about that. We've got a new, new game, a new something to rack our brains with. Do you know what you think you know? We'll debut that this hour here on the show as well. But first, let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right. Star quarterbacks from the 2004 draft. Ben has said, Big Ben is the last holdout of that 2004. That's your, that's your class. That's the homie yep, right there. That's the homie. He made it 18 years. Come on. In the National Football League. Ben is very proud that someone from his class made it 18 years. I mean, better, better him than this. Wow. He, he, no, that's he, what he, he said. He a better man than me. He a better man than me. What? I mean, I'm just saying, some of us got it in us, and some of us had to get the hell out. But of the star quarterbacks from that class, you got Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. Rank it out how, how it turned out there out of the, that class, Ben. <laughs> listen, listen, that's one of the best draft classes in NFL history. I'm not biased at all. No. Number 40 uh, overall. <laughs> no, I will say this. BJ, you know, it's always, you know, you talked to BJ and Kevin before the show about these things, and I get evaluated. Ben Roethlisberger had to do it. Is it best or greatest? It just says rank the quarterback. I'm gonna rank them. You do it how you. I'm gonna rank yeah. them. That's how I'm gonna do it. For me, I think it is. I think it's Eli being then uh, then Philip Rivers. This is why. This is why Eli Manning comes into the draft saying, "I am not playing for the Chargers. That ain't happening." Then Archie comes out and goes, "Listen, I just support my son, but I don't ask me no questions." And then so Philip Rivers was number four. Obviously, uh, Eli Manning was number one, and they flip flop. Do you think about Ben Rosberg? I think he was like 10 or 11. Both Ben, ben Rosberg went to three Super Bowls, won two. Eli Manning went to two and obviously won two. Eli Manning did it against the GOAT. Eli Manning was going up against like out of this world circumstances because he, he brought so much attention to himself by saying, I'm not going to play. So you hope that he was going to, uh, they was going to uh, reap the benefit of what he did in New, uh, New York. I think I, while Pittsburgh is the most storied franchise, I think a harder situation being the number one overall pick. Can you live up to it? And I'm sorry, I am the brother of Peyton Manning. And they always saying, oh, you the little brother Eli. Well, me and my brother both got two Super Bowls, except I played the two, my brother played the three, and I did what my brother couldn't do, and that's beat Tom Brady. So I would go Eli one, Ben Roethlisberger two. Even though Ben Roethlisberger never had a losing season in 18 years, and I'm sorry, Philip. I love you, Philip Rivers. Right? And congratulations on your new baby. If you if you are having another child, which seem to have a child, you know, a year. But BJ, you never won the Super Duper, and you had Ladainian Thomas, and you had that defense. Eli, Big Ben, Philip Rivers. Yeah, I, I love Philip Rivers too, and it feels feels wrong to put him number three on on a list of three quarterbacks, given what he did. But the Super Bowls are the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I'll go Phillip Rivers three. Uh, yes, I'm doing it the way Kevin wants. Three, two, one. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll go Phillip Rivers three. I think it's Eli two. Uh, Eli obviously has, yes, he went toe to toe with Brady, but I think there was a little more inconsistency overall. Big Ben, what, 18 seasons? Like you said, not yep. once, not once did you have a losing season. That's incredible. So I will go Big Ben one. 
Um, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't know. But but I think I would go Roethlisberger, Manning. That is a great point, though, about Manning had to do it with the pressure of being Peyton Manning's brother, and you were able to do that. But I'll go Roethlisberger, Manning, uh, and then and then Rivers. Rivers was great, but, but didn't have the postseason success. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I'll go Eli Manning, Big Ben, and, and Phillip Rivers. I mean, Phillip Rivers is going to be last on that list every time just because – I mean, what was the legacy of Phillip Rivers? Bunch of yards, bunch of touchdown passes, bunch of fourth quarter. Because uh, it always seems like San Diego had to come back in the fourth Tony quarter. Tony Romo and didn't ever, couldn't get there. But couldn't bunch get, of yards couldn't get to the couldn't get to the big game. And so I think that's going to put him last on that list. The differentiation, I, I think, I kind of agree with Ben. Is look, you're Eli Manning, you're in New York, and your brother might be. If it weren't for if it weren't for uh, Tom Brady, from a pure quarterbacking standpoint, your brother might be the goat. Yeah, from a pure, oh, oh, from yeah. just a straight quarterbacking standpoint, and so Big Brother's over there breaking records, slinging the thing. All he, he's out here calling Omaha, 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 and, and, and you do ESPN commercials. You're viewed as a little brother. He's giving you, you know, wet willies on sports commercials, like, and you go out and win two Super Bowls. <laughs> he did. He did. did. I think about it. <laughs> he did. Did he not do a Super yeah, Bowl? He like, did. You are getting, you are getting done by your older brother in the in the in the, uh, the, the sports. Center. And he won two Super Bowls. I'll say Eli Manning. I'll, I'll give him tops on that list. I can only, and again, we talk about this like your dad is Archie Manning. Mm-hmm. Your dad is Archie Manning. Your brother is Peyton Manning. You're Eli Manning. You now have won two Super Bowls. Your brother won two Super Bowls. Your dad's a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he would have gone to. And, and oh, by the way, who has a more unfortunate name? Manning? Peyton Manning? Eli Manning? Or the newest, Arch? You're named after Archie Manning! Yep. If Eli would have gone to, to San that. Diego. And Philip Rivers maybe would have gone to New York. What do you think would have happened? I don't I, see. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, you can't do that. I, I mean, you can't. That. But I will say this. I mean, as a person that lived up there in you know uh, New Jersey, New York area, and I understand it how hard it is. Like when you, I mean, I'm not taking nothing away from Big Ben, Big Ben, and Pittsburgh. But you in a you in a you in a state and a, and a media market that matters everything. I mean, Eli got talked about every day, every yeah. single good, bad, right. And Tiki Barber, Mr. Tiki Barber said, yeah, man, when I was in the huddle, they was kind of laughing at Eli. So he retires, and what does Eli is, do the next year? They win the Super Bowl. Is Rivers the Hall of Famer with those other guys? Uh, BJ, I will say this. Listen, Hall is a very good I mean, he, listen, BJ, no? No, no. no. I, this thing. I mean, because all, it's all the, 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 the era in which you played yeah, there. Yeah, because I would say he BJ, played with all those guys and he didn't win Because, listen, if Phillip Rivers gets in, what about a bunch of other guys that got a bunch of yards and didn't have no Super Bowl? You you open up the floodgate. Listen, either it's the Super Bowl gets you in because that's how you show the quarterbacks or we start moving the goalposts for guys like Phillip Rivers. I, I mean, don't think it's 100% the Super Bowl gets you in, but I think, as we've all, I've always said when it pertains to like baseball, it's where do you rank in the era in which you played? And the era in which he played, unfortunately for him, had Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, had Tom Brady, had you know Aaron Rodgers. Had, were you better than any of those guys? Drew Brees and all and all those and guys. All and, listen, guys. And, and, I mean, and the thing, if it's and listen, if it's a, once again, we, I, I go back to the list. Listen, man, we're doing an invite only, man. Super Bowl, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Philip can play for real. Well, he would not be on that. Well, list. No, 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 no. But think about, but think, but think about who's there. Think about who's there. Trent Dilfer's in there. Joe Flacco's in there, right? They are they are not Hall of Famers. No, 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 no. They're, they're Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. You yeah. know, they're Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. You know, Brad Johnson is in there. Philip, what? What you doing? Nah, man, I thought y'all might have had an extra seat. Nah, nah, nah. We, we, you know, Kevin Thomas, is, he's gonna be doing. It. He, he's gonna be. He, he's the announcer for the night. Get it, get out. No, I'm just saying, BJ. We can't start doing that for the guys that had really. He had a hell of a career, and he had Ladanian Tomlinson too, a regular season MVP. 
who broke who broke Marshall Falk record, and you still didn't get it done. Antonio Camardi, ten picks. Come on, man. They gave him too much, man. Come on, man. All right, moving on. Take two. The Denver Broncos have hired former Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. A lot of folks think maybe in an effort to get Aaron Rodgers to go to the Mile High City. Do you think Aaron Rodgers ultimately follows his former offensive coordinator to Denver? I don't know. Some of the money, Ben, you were talking about earlier, I guess you saw something where at least there are reports, rumors, efforts, desires to maybe give Aaron Rodgers two years, $100 million guaranteed. Uh, that's pretty hard to top. Now, uh, Denver, is a, a lot of people have said, well, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to go to a bad team at mm-hmm. the end of his career. Well, if Aaron Rodgers is on your team, you're not a bad team. Mm-hmm. So I think if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, they're, they're not the Super Bowl favorite, but you get a free agent, you make a couple of nice draft picks with Aaron Rodgers, you're looked at as a playoff team. I mean, you're looked at as a playoff team, I think. But in terms of turning down that kind of money at a place where you're already, you know, have a legacy, I I think it's hard to predict what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying they're talking about that kind of money to extend instead of go somewhere new and start over, if they're talking about that kind of money, mm-hmm. it, I, I think Green Bay's the favorite. I will say this. I ain't count nobody's money. It has been estimated that I think they say Aaron Rodgers made like two hundred and like sixty-five million dollars since he's been in the NFL. Now listen, so it's not like so it's not like he's served any cheese. And you know, unfortunately, you see him all over TV. He's on he's he's on national commercials, right? He gets endorsement money. At this point in his career, he's chasing legacy, right? He's not chasing the money. Now you talk about a rebuild. There is we this this what they got it. This is what we got to work with on offense. Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. I think he can do with those guys out there in Denver. And plus, the thing about it is, too, don't Green Bay deserve to just – they're tired of dealing with him as a – he's a diva, man. He is. Aaron, I mean, Aaron Rodgers want to go somewhere. You know, he want to take his discount double uh, out there to mile high. Going to have to di- get, get used to the altitude. But y'all know he's a lot to deal with. Aaron Rodgers is the guy. I'm not going – it was a guy on this old commercial back in the day. They would ask him about this team. He'll say, it ain't my fault. Won't you? Hey, Aaron, tell us about the fumble. What about the other 10 guys that could have jumped on the fumble? I can't do everything. Aaron Rodgers, I think, wants out of Green Bay. They, Green Bay's going to make an offer, but Aaron Rodgers going to call old Peyton Manning and say, hey, man, okay, you went on out there, man. How is it out there? Now, he don't got Von Miller, but he got Bradley Chubb. You know, so I, I just I just think that he knows if, I, if, if my old offensive coordinator is not a head coach and I know I got some sway with that guy, I get to kind of call the plays that I want. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be wearing that orange and blue. I dealt with them Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think ultimately it uh, it ends up that way. I, I think you got just to get a chance to go back uh, uh, and, and try it one more time. Even though there's a lot of animosity, it's like, Look at how much love Dick Ben is getting for being a one franchise quarterback. Oh, that life thing that, is, is serious. That does. I mean, I think they said he is like the first guy to ever play 18 years for one franchise. Yep. Like in the entirety of the NFL quarterback, wow. it doesn't happen. I mean, Joe Montana, Kansas City, went to Kansas City. Look at Tom Brady. I mean, Matt Ryan. He may not make 18. Matt, 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 Matt Ryan, don't do nothing. No, crazy. I'm saying, but I'm saying people want to kick him out. Say, May, you got one year left. Listen, Matt Ryan, do the Roddy White. They wanted Roddy White to, go, to end his career and go over New Orleans. Don't you do that, Matty Ice. Don't you put on that. Don't you put on that goal. <laughs> don't do it. All right, take three. Rank the uniforms. Four remaining playoff teams. If we had to decide it based off, you know, how the uniforms look. Yes. Uh, number one, San Francisco. Classic. Right up there with the Cowboys mm-hmm. and, and the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Classic. I, as a kid, I loved Cincinnati's uniforms growing up. 
and they've changed them around a little bit, but I still love them. The helmets are just so creative. They're so cool. So I'm going to go Bengals, number two. Uh, number three, I guess, I'm trying to forget who else. I got, Rams. I got the Rams. And, and the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, I'll go Chiefs, three. I mean, they're, and then the Rams, I don't know, man, the Rams logo just looks weird. It's mm -hmm. like, it's like the horn doesn't uh -huh. connect. I mean, I, you know, uh, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs helmets, they don't have anything written on the, so like they have like the big kind of, I, I guess, I don't even know what the right phraseology is, like the big top part of the face mask kind of stands out on the helmet. Uh, but, but I, you know, the Chiefs, the Rams just doesn't look right to me. The logo doesn't. I mean, I like the colors, but the logo doesn't look right. It does, you know, what, you don't understand what I'm saying? It looks like Ram horns, man. Not to me. It looks, <laughs> I, it, it looks I, I don't know. Can, have you, you ever seen you, a Ram? You know I mean, not like up close and, and yeah, thank you. Cam's saying they look weird. So I will go, I'm trying to remember what I just said. San Francisco, San Francisco. Cincinnati, Kansas City, L.A. Of course, the San Francisco first. I mean, San Francisco has those classics, like you mentioned, you know, the Dallas and, uh, you know, the and, uh, the Raiders, the Las, the Las Vegas Raiders, which is crazy. They're in Vegas now. I think the Rams are number two. When they went, when they went that gold and that blue, it's the nice, man. The fade kind of changed the, color. Now, the, the white, it looked like the helmet is like a different color white than yeah. the actual jersey. But I, I do like I do like uh, that that uh, that blue, and I guess it's yellow, that blue and yellow. And then it's just a battle of the of – the, I mean, I'm gonna go with Cincinnati three because at least Cincinnati they, they can you know they listen they want to come up with that all orange when the, the orange jersey with the black. <laughs> I said they're looking like Oklahoma State. Hey, I, I think I think they look good. And I'm sorry, the, the Chiefs they just gave them some colors. Man, it's the Chiefs. Man, give them that red. Is that gold or is it yellow? Is it yellow gold? Because I think the Rams are more it, gold. I think it's yellow. The, the, the Rams, the Rams. Gold or yellow, it ain't that much different than Kevin. Kansas what I'm City trying to say, we didn't look at this during the break, is the Ram, like the old Rams helmet. Cam knows what I'm that like it, it was a cohesive, connected Ram. All right, the, the the current one does not look that way. Like they don't meet. Well, maybe they, well maybe they'll go at, back at. We talking about the Rams where no one cared. Now they matter. The greatest show. Okay. No one cares. And since the greatest show, they made a movie it? about it. Hey, no, no, no. Whoa, whoa. The greatest show was in the, is the '99, 2000. What has it been since? The TV does not work. You haven't been watching it. They were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and scored three points. What they, were they in the Super Bowl? Jim, where were the Tennessee the Titans Jaguars in that Super Bowl? Oh, oh, oh. We, scored, we scored more than three when we win. <laughs> know that? Whoa. <laughs> we scored more than three. And listen, we scored more than three when we win. All, all I'm saying is Jared Goff. Jared Goff. And what is Jared Goff's consolation prize for going to the Super Duper? He's in Detroit right now. But no. I'm just saying, hopefully, BJ, because they're a team that's like one of the best teams now, consistently, they'll be able to go out there and get whatever the Ram, you know, helmet, you know, configuration. They'll get that right. Yeah, this is not a uh, this is not a great uh, uniform uh, matchup. I, I I think for this. You don't like San Fran? No, San Francisco is one, and then two is, and then we'll start at three and go from there. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. I would I would put the Rams uh, three. I would put. Uh, Kansas City four and Cincinnati five. Never been a fan. And again, dude, there's a there's <laughs> right yes. one. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Okay. yeah, one is San Francisco. Two. <laughs> then you have the Rams, Kansas City, and Cincinnati. That's take three. Do it every day. It's time we'll come back. Jason Longshore going to join us when we return here on Three and Out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Thursday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. World Cup qualifying resuming tonight for the men's national team. And joining us here from soccer down here and 
uh, from the Atlanta United Radio Network. Jason Longshore joining us. Jason, how's it going? Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, good, fantastic. Obviously, there's three games in this window. What does uh, Team USA need to do to make sure they're in here as uh, qualifying continues? I think they've got to win their home games. You get six points out of the window, and you've got one more home game left in March, you're in. I think nine points is kind of that magic number that it's going to be hard for them to miss out if they finish with that. If they go to Canada and get a point or even pull an upset, which that's eh, probably about a 50-50 game, then they could be in a position where you can basically book your ticket at the end of this window. But Look, it starts tonight. It's a game where they're favored. It's a game against a team that has to win to have any hope of staying alive. And it's a game that the U.S. should get out and control from the jump. They, they need to to take full advantage of the, the home field advantage tonight. What's the anxiety level, I guess, given that you didn't make the last World Cup? I know you're in a, in a good position, but is there more confidence or, or hesitation when you think about uh, the men's national team in the World Cup? You know, it's weird. I think it depends on who you talk to. I think these players feel a lot of confidence because it's such a young group. A lot of them weren't part of the last qualification process. I think anybody who was part of that 2018 cycle does feel the the anxiety of missing out, but you're in a really good position, so you should be able to push that aside. I think with the fan base is where maybe the anxiety is the highest. Any little slip and I think there's a little bit of a, a freak out when it comes to the people who follow this team on social media but they're in a good position the the biggest thing that makes it tricky is Panama has surprised everybody and, and Panama is right there you've got four teams for four spots right now if Costa Rica upsets Panama tonight then they get back into the mix but it probably secures the U.S. a, a top three spot and an automatic qualification if they win tonight it's, it's a situation where I don't think there should be anxiety because this is a much stronger team than it was four years ago. But you just have to take care of business and finish this thing out. Jason, when you think about when you you talk about the pressure, you talk about this being a total different team than four years ago. What is it about when it, when we get to talking about the World Cup? I mean, we understand that everybody's watching. This is the best uh, teams, you know, uh, you know, across the world. But what is it about you know uh, USA when you think about the fact that yes. They try to make things favorable. I, I, I'm going back to Trinidad and Tobago. I'm talking to BJ. He says, there is no way we lose to Trinidad and Tobago. What happens when it comes to teams they should beat to, to, uh, to qualify? They find themselves on the losing end. You know, I think some of it is the, the change in where U.S. soccer is now than it, it was four years ago, definitely like 8, 12, 16 years ago, where now the U.S comes into games against an El Salvador, against the Trinidad and Tobago four years ago, where they are the favorite. And there's always, I think, a challenge for U.S. teams when they go into Central America and they play in CONCACAF, because even when the U.S. wasn't a team that everybody feared, where they were pretty good, maybe plucky upstarts or something like that, you know, you still had some of the political aspects of it, where these teams Beating the U.S. is everything to them. It's their World Cup final. It's their Super Bowl. So everybody's up to play the U.S. Now you get everybody's best game because there is a respect level. There, there's a little bit of a fear when you look at players like Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney playing in some of the biggest clubs in the world. These other clubs in CONCACAF don't have that. So they're jacked up for these games. 
But that changes the mentality for the U.S. because now you have to play as a favorite. And, and we know in any sport, there's a different mentality where you have that expectation on your back that you're supposed to win this game. That can be a huge challenge for a young team. I think these guys have kind of gotten through that eight games into the cycle, and now they can just play and take care of business. You mentioned Pulisic. Uh, if the USA makes the World Cup, obviously trying to do that now, who are, who are the players that fans need to know about that are going to be important through this qualifying finish? I think so far the two guys that a people have zeroed in on are Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney. You know, being at Chelsea and, and Juventus, two of the biggest clubs in the world, will do that. But I, I think some of the guys to get to know that are going to have a huge role in this um, up top, Brendan Aronson, who's at Red Bull Salzburg, who's being linked with moves to the English Premier League, uh, started his career in Major League Soccer with Philadelphia. He has really burst onto the scene in the last 12 months. Ricardo Pepe, who started his career at FC Dallas, is now in the German Bundesliga at Augsburg for a large transfer fee that just went down in the past month. Pepe is one of the bright young stars for the U.S., and being a little bit of a homer here, I think Miles Robinson is somebody that fans across the, the country have to get to know a little bit better. He came into this year, this past year, as somebody who was trying to earn a spot in the national team pool and earn some starts to where now going into 22, he's the best center back in the United States pool. He is the best center back that the United States has, and he's only going to continue to grow from here. Jason Longshore, soccer down here in the Atlanta United Radio Network. And Jason, uh, MLS, a month from today, season kicking off. What is it looking like there for Atlanta United as they uh, enter the preseason here? So excited to get this thing underway because of how Atlanta United finished in the second half last year. When Gonzalo Pineda took over, Atlanta United from that day forward was one of the best teams in MLS. It also coincided with adding the Brazilian Luis Araujo up top, one of the, the most explosive players that Major League Soccer has to offer. Atlanta's played one preseason game. It was a, a short one. It was a 60-minute match, two 30-minute halves uh, against a local team from Carrollton, the Georgia Storm. And Atlanta looked pretty good in that for one week of training. Now, Sunday, they go to Athens at the UGA Soccer Complex. They're going to play another local team, the Georgia Revolution of the NPSL. That's one more opportunity early in preseason to, to start to build the fitness, but also build some of the concepts of the way this team will play. They go to Mexico for a couple of weeks. They play three different opponents down there, and then they finish preseason in Birmingham against USL championship team Birmingham Legion on February 20th before the home opener on February 27th. Uh, so a lot to come here before you get to that, that home opener. As we mentioned, Jason Longshore, Jordan is here on 3 and Out. Jason, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Jason Longshore, Jordan is here on 3 and Out. As again, uh, men's national team back in action. And, of course, Atlanta United coming up in uh, the next month with the start of the MLS season. we got more to come here on 3 and Out. And we'll have a debut of a brand-new game to test our head, our mind, and our brains. <laughs> and then we'll do that next. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin. Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you're with us. And apparently time for the debut of a new segment, Do You Know What You Think You Know? I don't know if I do know. I'm thinking I don't know what I do think I do know. And you we'll don't know what there. you think you do know, but you, you don't know that either. There. That, that, we'll do that. And bring us in to help us uh, usher in this new game, host of Second Down, Christian Gokel, 
Lay it on us. What are we doing? Anytime you get something new from Christian, he's always KG, but he's like, no, no, you'll see. You'll see. Don't worry about it. Does he not do that? It's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll do it on the show. So we have no idea what we're doing. Lay it on us, Christian. I feel like I just live rent-free in Kevin's head. I don't know that I'm cagey. I just think Kevin, Kevin gets worried about me. I, I don't. I don't. Lay it on us what we're doing. All right. So this is, it's pretty simple. Players are going to go one at a time. You have seven questions each. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through one at a time and you're going to get a chance to answer. And the cool thing about this is there's no negative points, right? So if you get it right, you get a point. If you don't get it right, it's not going to take anything away. It's a zero, okay? So we're going to go through one at a time. Now, there's going to be one question each round that I'm going to let you know, you don't know which one it is, that you can throw at an opponent of your choice. And if they get it wrong, it's minus two points for them. Wow. If they get it right, if they get it right, Zero points, they just stay even, okay? So you have one of those sabotage ones per round, and then after you go all the way through yours, if you get some wrong, the other opponents will have a chance to go back and try to answer those correct. I gotta write so you guys that. with me? Yeah, I, I, I got you. Answer the question all right, so to, or pass it. All right, so to determine who goes first, I'm just going to kind of do a tip-off here. You guys jump in. First one to answer gets to go first. Who was last year's Super Bowl MVP? Tom Brady. There you go, Kevin. You're going first. All right, here we go, Kevin. <laughs> I can't even Nobody remember can who jump won the Super Bowl in. last year. I, I know you get worried. I know you get worried about people jumping in and you don't like going fast. We're just going to go nice and easy here. Right. Uh, the way we're doing this is we're going by your strength. So, Kevin, your strength is professional baseball. Okay. I'll so, we're going to go, go through over. some pro baseball questions. I got seven here for you. All right. Who has the most wins as a pitcher in Braves history? Like just for the Braves or somebody who played for the Braves in their career? Just for the Braves. Warren Spawn. That is correct. That's what a point in for the Kevin. world? All right, Kevin, <laughs> yours comes up quickly. This is your sabotage question. So I'm going to read you the question, and if you feel like you can do some damage to BJ or Ben, you can pass it off to them. Okay. Which switch hitter has the most career home runs in Major League Baseball history? Uh, that would be Mickey Mantle. Okay, so you're not passing that one off. Kevin now has two points. All right. Out of Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, and Greg Maddox, who had the most wins for the Braves? Uh, that would be uh, Tom Glavin. That is correct. Kevin is three for three. See, you were worried about this. <laughs> what inning... Did David Ortiz hit his walk-off home run against the Yankees in Game 4 of the 2004 ALCS? Uh, that was extra inning, so was, uh, I'm going to say the 10th inning. That is incorrect, so we're going to circle back to that one. Let me put a little boop, dash right there. All right, question five. Who is Major League Baseball strikeout leader all time? Uh, that'd be Nolan Ryan. That is correct. Which pitcher threw a no-hitter while on acid in 1970? Oh, gosh. And they did a 30 for 30 on this guy. Oh, my. I can't I, I can't remember his name. I'm going to have to just give a non-answer because I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, they did a 30 for 30 on it. Yeah, threw a no-hitter on acid. Don't I don't have an answer. I, I, right, Kevin's I'm, final question here. Kevin's final question. This player led the majors in home runs and RBIs in 2021. Homers and RBI. 
Um, homers and RBI. Oh, now I'm just thinking like every stinking baseball player that's ever played last year. And it's like, uh, remember, you don't get any negative points for a wrong answer. I know, but I, I want to try to make it right. Most homers. Well, that's the point of the game. Did, yeah. Um, I'm like running through the team Rolodex in my in my brain all, all the way around. Um, this is invigorating radio. Yeah, it's not. I, I'm I, I'm wrong. I'm going to say Shohei Otani. That's wrong. I I I'm just that is that is incorrect as well. You had one that you passed on. Do you want to go back to tell us which pitch or yeah, which pitcher threw a no hitter on LSD? No, I because I, I just can't think of it. I I will think of all it right, as so soon as you say. After Kevin's turn, he has four points. We're going to go to Ben next because we're going to go in alphabetical order. Ben, are you ready? Nope. Let's go. Let's do it. Oh, actually, I take that back. Do you guys want to? Does anybody want to try to answer any of the ones that Kevin got wrong? Uh, the one about the pitcher on it, I, I, I have no idea about that. Uh, home runs. What inning did David Ortiz hit his walk-off home run against the Yankees in Game Four of the 20, 2004 ALCS? The ninth. That was incorrect, Ben. That would be the eighth inning. Well, they played a full nine, and then actually, that, was the 12th, that was the twelfth inning. Twelfth inning, and then uh, does anybody know who led the majors in home runs or RBIs in twenty twenty one? Try to tell you, that. there's only two things this show cares about: college football and the Atlanta Braves. Salvador Perez, wow, Kansas okay. City Royals. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. All right, so Kevin got four points there. You guys are both at even right now. Ben, your first question: Who's the NFL's all-time leading tackler? We're going NFL for Ben, by the way. That's all-time, all-time leading tackler? Yes. Uh, Ray Lewis. That is correct. Sorry, I should have said it. Ben Strength, pro football. So we're going pro football with Ben here. Tom Brady has a career win percentage of 76%. Only one active quarterback with a minimum of 10 starts has a higher winning percentage than Tom Brady. Who is it? Active quarterback? Yep. Russell Wilson. That is incorrect. All right, Ben, this is your sabotage question. So to explain this one again, you don't have to answer this question. After I ask you, you can pass it off to someone else. If they get it wrong, it's minus two points. All right? So Tony Gonzalez is the all-time leading receiver at tight end in NFL history. Who's number two? Larry Fitzgerald. Tony Gonzalez is. The oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You talking about it? You talking about? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You talking about a tight end? Okay, but one more time. One more time, Ben. One more time. You don't have to answer this if you think you can hurt BJ or Kevin wait, wait, by didn't passing. Didn't just answer it. No, I'm trying. I'm trying. Hold on. I, I, I missed this. I, I'm going to blame. Hold on. I'm going to blame some internet interference here. Yeah, yeah. It was in. Yeah, you you was breaking up. <clears throat> Go ahead. All right. So. So Tony Gonzalez is the all-time leading receiver at tight end in NFL history. Who is number two? You don't have to answer. You can I, pass that off. I can't off. think. It's, I can't. Oh, uh, Jason Witten. All right, Jason Witten. That is correct. All right. Who is the all-time leading passer in Titans slash Oilers franchise history? Warren Moon. That is correct. Who was the Patriots head coach prior to Bill Belichick? Parcells. 
That is incorrect. I'm going to mark that one down. The Patriot, or excuse me, the Super Bowl. I'm thinking still on the last question. This Super Bowl featured the most combined yards in a game in NFL history. Can I can I give you the teams? I can't remember the number. Yeah, you can give me the teams. It was uh, it was uh, it was. I'm gonna say uh, New New England versus uh versus Philly. That is correct. They combined for 1,151 yards in the Super Bowl. All right, and then finally, this player scored the final touchdown of the season for the Titans in 2005. But if you're on that team, that 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 that, that, would, that would that would be me. That would be me. Do you remember who you scored it against? I scored, I scored, I scored it, I scored it against Jacksonville. We got the hell beat out of us, but I did score it against Jacksonville. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. All right, so Ben got five points there. Ben, you are currently in the lead, but you missed two there. So Kevin and BJ, uh, Tom Brady has a career winning percentage of 76. percent Only one active quarterback has a higher winning percentage. Pat Mahomes. Ten starts. Pat Mahomes. That is correct. That's who I was going to say. I was trying to wait for him to finish the question, but I was. And then, who was the Patriots head coach prior to Bill Belichick? Pete Carroll? That's correct. Oh, BJ. Racking it up here. All right, BJ, here we go. Uh, Anybody care to guess what BJ's strength is? Soccer. That would be soccer. That would be be Arson Crafts. I, I should have absolutely gone with I should have gone with collages and U.S. men's soccer. Uh, BJ, one or, no, first question: SEC career completions leader. Uh, Aaron Murray. That is correct. Nine hundred and twenty-one. You guys know who number two was? This is just for fun. I mean, Chris Leak. Oh, oh wow! Okay. All right. All right. Number two, who was Oregon's starting quarterback when they lost to Auburn in the 2010 national championship? Uh, Deron Thomas. That is correct. ACC's second all time leading rusher behind Travis Etienne. Uh, is it Ted Brown? That is correct. Ted Brown. Which school? Or which schools, uh, there's two of them, have the most Sunbelt championships? Of current Sunbelt teams or all-time? No, it doesn't matter. Current, former, they have the most. Ooh, that's because we've had some. Uh, good question. Let's see. I don't know. I kind of feel like it depends on how long they were there. Uh, Middle Tennessee one? That is Incorrect. Bama and LSU wide receivers make up the top six spots on the SEC single receiving receiving yards list. The first SEC East receiver comes in at number seven with 1,517 yards. Who is he? First SEC East receiver, you said? Yep, comes in all the way down at number seven. Uh, wow. Um, let's see. Is it... Jordan Matthews? That is incorrect. He is top 10, though. All right, BJ, this is your sabotage question. Once again, you are tied with Ben right now with five. When I ask... And we lost Christian. And if they get it wrong, it's minus two points. All right? All right. Two players in the 2006 Rose Bowl between Texas and USC had three touchdowns. 
Vince Young was one. Who was the other? Lindell White. That is correct. Two more. That's another point for BJ. <laughs> and final question here. How many semifinal losses in the college football playoffs does the SEC have? Wow. Uh, um, good question. Alabama lost one. One is correct. All right. So the only person who has a chance to come back here is Ben. Kevin, you, unfortunately, are out of the running here. You have two questions here, Ben. If you get them right, you can tie – or you can – yeah, you can tie BJ. Which two schools have the most Sunbelt championships? Oh, Lord. I don't know if I got who you going to say it first. Uh, <sighs> Louisiana? And that is incorrect, Kevin. You want to, Kevin, you want to guess? I was I was going to say Memphis and Arkansas State. Uh, you got one of them. Arkansas State and Troy are both tied with six wow. conference championships. Wow. Uh, and then finally here, let's see if we can get this one. Bam and LSU wide receivers make up the top six spots in the SEC single season receiving yards list. The first SEC East receiver comes in at number seven with one thousand five hundred seventeen yards. Who was he? 1,517. This is for a single season? Yep. For a single season? Uh, Trying to think who would have caught enough balls to, to, to get that many. J Man. Played for Ben's old coach. I was about to say, uh, Jacquez Green. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey. Oh, Alshon! Alshon! Alshon to South Carolina. He was a beast, though. He, yeah, Alshon. My fault. Alshon, okay. There's an interesting... So there we go. Interesting. BJ, congratulations. BJ, winner of the inaugural. Do you think you know what you actually know? He does. And, well, I finished last. It is what it is. We got more to come. Three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hi, this is Tom Crean from Georgia Basketball, and you're listening to 3 and Out with B.J., Ben, and Kevin. Welcome back, 3 and Out on this Thursday. Got that uh, game in the book. Could win there, B.J. And got it. We got it. struggle with some of them. That yeah. was the first time around. We got. Uh, yeah. Chris was like, "Look, if y'all both, all three of y'all felt really good about the challenge question, should have thrown it off on other people to get the negative points. I.e., would you have known the Mickey Mantle question that would have been? I don't the Mickey Mantle one. Yeah. I will see. Then I would have been no good. But, but, but it's a strategy, like with pigskin poker. Yeah, you, yeah, it's, it's tough. I have to bank on the fact that neither one of you guys know what it is, or at least one of you. I, I can bad. designate I the, who it was. Got the Sun Belt one. Hold on, <clears throat> hold on, before we jump, I mean, I got, I got to make sure I say this. You know, uh, man, I'm a proud, proud uncle moment. If, if I can have a proud uncle moment, Washburn University, <clears throat> fall of 2021, the College of Arts and Sciences is pleased to announce the inscribing of the name Christian Gray 
on the Dean's Honor Roll in recognition wow. of superior academic achievement. So shout out to my nephew, Christian Gray, making the Dean's List, something your, something your uncle has never done, will never do. But shout out, to my, shout out to my nephew, Christian Gray, making the Dean's List up there at Washburn University. Awesome. Proud of him. Congratulations. Proud yeah, and he's doing great things. On yes, the he, field, is, he, is, he is. He is. He is. He is. Absolutely. Congratulations to, uh, to him on uh, getting that, that honor. And uh, we'll find out. In a few moments, speaking of finding out things, if Jacksonville has a new coach, potentially, Demetrius Harvey, Big Cat Country, will join us on the flip side. A lot of smoke, BJ, that it's going to be Byron Leftwich, but again, as we scour around, have not seen confirmation of that 100%. We'll chat with Demetrius Harvey about that coming up just in a little bit. Yeah, hopefully uh, close. I know uh, a lot of fans are saying, what's going on? What's the holdup? What are we waiting for? So hopefully uh, some news on that front soon. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. Final hour right around the corner. Again, Demetrius Harvey. Big Cat Country will join us. We'll get the very latest on the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, search. A lot of smoke that maybe a deal is done, but we'll get the very latest when we return. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter. Love to get your thoughts, comments as well. At Pigskin. Good to have you here, three out on this Thursday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, BJ Bennett. Glad you're with us here. A lot to get to this hour as coaching searches going on, coaching positions being filled in the National Football League. Jags at last check had not uh, filled there, so it appeared they were getting uh, very, very close. Joining us here from Big Cat Country, Demetrius Harvey joins us here on three and out. Demetrius, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Doing very well. What's the uh, what's the latest? What can you tell us about what's going on there with Jacksonville? So, uh, you know, on Tuesday, I guess I guess it's been a couple of days now. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, Tuesday night, I reported that the Jaguars were expected to hire Byron Leftwich as the team's head coach, and and honestly, I've, I've never relented on that. I've always had that as the expectation. I've never been told otherwise. Um, and as of right now, I'm still very confident that they will be hiring Byron Leftwich as the team's head coach. And, um, of course, earlier today there was a report from, I believe, um, an Arizona writer. I'm missing his name right now, Mike Jariski. Um, He said that both Adrian Wilson would come in as the GM and Byron Leftwich as the head coach. I hadn't heard that until, you know, around maybe an hour ago around that time. So, Stuff like that has started to come out. Obviously, nothing has been made official. Nothing is completely done. Um, but as of right now, that's my expectation as well. Uh, Demetrius, what has been what has been the holdup? What are the what are the Jaguars waiting on? I guess uh, uh, to go forward with this move. Well, I mean, for for all of these things, I, I guess someone else on Twitter put it, put it pretty well. In the past, you know, we wouldn't have these minute to minute, up to date. Um, tweets basically are updates about negotiations and, and tactics used to create leverage and, and things of that nature. We haven't been able to see that. So I think what we're seeing right now is just that's just the normal process. And sometimes it can go one way or the other. Sometimes it, it can get incredibly close and before it will fall apart. But eventually we end up with the, the final goal. You know, I, I think that what initially held this up was um, really the relationship that Byron Leftwich believed that he might have been able to have with Trent Balgi, perhaps he did not um, think that all the way. And in and, and doing so, he wanted to make sure that he created distance between himself and Balky. But 
at, at, at this point, I think that the only things that, that have troubled them has been the negotiations between the coaches, whoever they're trying to get as a coach, and then having their general manager, Trent Baalke, here. I mean, they began their, their search first, and now they're going to at least end up at least in third. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where it could have gotten done faster, but um, because of varying issues, it just has gone slower. I mean, how much uh, do you, how much credit do you give a guy like Byron Left? Which I mean, obviously he wants to be a head coach in Jacksonville, but when you look at what a guy like Matt Rule got, you know, uh, you know, come, you know, uh, coming out of college, nine million dollars a year. How much sometimes does it come down to the numbers on top of who he wants to work with as as a GM? Absolutely. I mean, it, it comes down to the numbers for sure. You you don't want to just because you're a first time head coach doesn't mean that you should be paid the the the, the lowest amount in the league. It, just because you're a first-time head coach doesn't mean that you should be handed your defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator. I mean, we, we've seen that with, with the Buccaneers and, and, you know, back in the past with Raheem Morris, you know, they kind of just handed him their OC and DC, and that stuff doesn't always work out. So, I, I mean, the, the things like that, you, you want to be able to give your guy as much power as you think that he should have or, or as much power as, as you think would be responsible for the level of, of a coach he is. And obviously Byron Leffage is – very well respected throughout the league. He's well respected by Bruce Arians, who, in my opinion, is one of the best coaches that have ever coached. So it's just one of those things where you have to um, sit back and, and sort of evaluate yourself. And, and, you know, you think highly of yourself if you're Byron and, and you try to get everything that you would want. Obviously, with everything that, that happened in, in 2021, how, how big of a move is this for Jacksonville to kind of reset things? You get a a guy who played in Jacksonville knows the landscape. If this indeed, uh, you know, does go through, does that re-energize the fan base who, at the end of the, the last season, were, were wearing clown masks at the game? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if this does all come to fruition and it is fine on the dotted line and, and they announce it as Byron Leftwich and, and Adrian Wilson, I think that that's exactly what the fan base wanted. Honestly, um, I'm very in tune with this fan base, and, and I know for a fact that their their gripe has always been. Um, with Trent Balkin, and the reason why it has been with the general managers because he oversaw the team for the the final few games of the season in 2020. He oversaw the team in all of 2021. They saw the free agent free agency class that he was able to bring in the, this off season. They know his history. This has been the issue. If they bring in a guy like Byron Leftwich and forget about the nostalgia and everything, Byron played with this franchise for four years. Yes, he was drafted by the team in the first round, but it was only four years. He was ridiculed. Uh, for for the large majority of that by other fans and, and, and observers. So this isn't all about nostalgia. It's about a guy who's able to come in, you know, from since 2019 as a play caller and take over that Buccaneers offense and turn it into what we've seen today, a Super Bowl winner with Tom Brady. Obviously in 2019 with Jameis Winston, they were able to do some, some good things on offense too. So if you just look at it in its entirety, of course Jacksonville is going to be very happy. They get what they want. They have new blood in there. I think that that's always exciting. Do you have a sense for a timeline for this? I mean, for an official announcement, are the Jaguars <laughs> hoping to have this done by the weekend? Could this go into next week, potentially? Well, I mean, when, when this week began, I was told uh, it would probably end up finalizing whoever was going to be the coach by Friday. Um, I would assume that tomorrow would be the case again, uh, but you never know. I mean, the same thing, it, it, everything has, has gone kind of strange. I mean, this morning, everyone thought that the Jaguars were going to be interviewing Nate Hackett for a second time, and all of a sudden he's the coach in Denver. So it, it, it could go uh, a variety of directions. But from what I know right now, and, and I'll, I'm not going to relent on this, is that Byron Leftwich is expected to be the next head coach, and 
whether that's you know later on this evening when you see reports from other people um, or later on tomorrow when you see the official handle tweeted out. Shah Khan is the guy that obviously seems to do things his own way. How much? How much? Uh, you know, how much of this situation? I mean, you know, it's taking long because let's face it. I mean, his last hire obviously didn't didn't go well. You talk about the Trent Balky situation with a guy like Byron Leftwich. How much does it come down to the fact that obviously he wants to get the right guy in there like Byron Leftwich? But how is it? Is he a hard? Does he seem to be like a hard owner to get along with? Oh no! Uh, from everything I know, and I've met Shad Khan personally, this this man is in- incredibly patient. He's a very nice guy. Uh, I have nothing but but good things to say about him as a person. I don't think that he's a hard man to get along with at all. I think that he would be a great owner to be um, in charge of a franchise with. Uh, the 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 biggest thing is last year. Obviously, the search for a coach was pretty much you know a farce. You know, they they, they knew that they wanted to have Urban Meyer in there. Sean Conn was enamored with Urban Meyer, as he would be. I mean, the guy had never lost in college. It made, it made sense. He was just led astray. The, the, the guy he got was not Urban Meyer of college football. He was a completely different person, and, and I'm still not sure who, who he is. But the, 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 the pressure for him to get it right this time, it, it really is at an all-time high, and, I, and I've written that. It's because they have a guy in Trevor Lawrence that they have to nail on. They have to make sure that this guy has success. In order to do that, you have to have the right coaches, you have to have the right general manager, you have to have the right staff and, and personnel surrounding him. So this is incredibly important, and I know he knows that importance. So for them to go out and get a guy maybe like Byron Leftwich, who's an up-and-coming um, offensive mind who has been well-respected, it would make sense. Um, I think that this is a coaching hire that uh, he's going to probably have to live with for the rest of his life. You know, This is the, the crossroads if, if he gets it right. And amazing. If he doesn't get it right, then, then who knows where the franchise will be in the next 10 years. Demetrius Harvey, Big Cat Country, joining us here on 3 and Out. And where is this this franchise? I mean, despite the cluster that was 2021, they did manage to win more games than they won the year before. You're in a division that, yes, the Titans are there, but also has a couple of other teams. The 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 Texans are in rough shape. What do you, whatever you think about the, the Colts, the Jags were able to beat them uh, this year. How quick can they get a modest turnaround even going with Byron Leftwich with a smart draft with good GM decisions here uh, in this offseason? Yeah, this is um, this is going to be an interesting year to, to, to witness, I guess. Last year, yeah, they, they did win two more games than they did in 2020. They still landed the first overall pick. So, I mean, the the improvement wasn't really there necessarily, but there was a, there was a couple games there where they didn't improve. This year, I wouldn't expect major improvements. I wouldn't expect them to all of a sudden be a playoff team, but you do have to hope for for their sake they would be a six to seven win team at the very least in order to see that momentum sort of turning in the right direction. You want to have a uh, team that can compete within this division. I think that the Texans have shown you that they're a, a, a franchise that is very much rebuilding. They're about to have another new head coach. Um, I think that the Colts have shown you that they are in a weird situation where, you know, it's make or break, and they don't necessarily have that quarterback that you can depend on in, in Carson Wentz, in my opinion. Um, for for right now, the Tennessee Titans still own that division, but the Jaguars are right there with, you know, maybe the Texans, and, and they, they can try to get to the Colts if they play their cards right and they surround Trevor Lawrence with the right talent, surround the defense with the right talent. I think that this can be a division for the taking if they play their cards right over the next three seasons. And you mentioned Lawrence, the Jaguars building around him. I mean, I know he's a very young player, but does he have any input? Do they do they talk to him or, or, or any other players on the team about about this hire, about the upcoming uh, new head coach? 
Absolutely. I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and, and I think I think Sean has already talked about how um, he does talk to Trevor about things. I mean, there, there's it's it's no question that this guy is the face of the franchise. So of course you're going to consult with him and and maybe his people in terms of you know what type of coach he's go, he he would like or what type of coach you would prefer. Um, and that's not to say that this is going to be the end all be all. You know, Trevor has final say over anything because he can't give that to a player, especially a person who is just finishing up his his rookie season but of course you have to have some sort of input and and you know guys like Nathaniel Hackett or Byron Leff which you know of course that he would they would in, in, they would anticipate wanting or Trevor would anticipate wanting that kind of guy to be in charge because they're on his mind so um yeah they're, they're going to consult with him of course and, and they'll talk about you know what he likes and what he doesn't like but ultimately this is going to be a hire for Shad Khan Tony Khan uh, the guys that are actually in charge of the franchise right now. And I know you talked about it earlier. We talked about the AFC South. I mean, I know these uh, quarterbacks make huge jumps from their rookie uh, the second year. If you can find a way to, you know, get number 22 on the ground up there in Tennessee, nobody – I mean, they saw – they saw you saw what this young team was able to do against uh, against Indy. They could find a way to, you know, uh, keep pace with uh, Houston. They could make a run to this division next year if you, if you can find a way to do something with those guys from Nashville. Absolutely. I mean – Nashville's obviously the biggest, you know, hurdle. I don't think they've won there in, in so many years. I, they barely have beaten Nashville in, in, in forever. So I would say that, you know, obviously, like we were talking about, the Colts and the Texans, those are two teams that you would hope that you would have a, a good good idea of being able to beat because, you know, they've been able to beat the Colts at home for the last, I think it's six years now or seven years running. So um, if, if you're able to do that and you're able to have sustained success on offense, I, I think that this division is something that you can you know creep up there and all of a sudden you're looking at uh, Jacksonville. It, if you're Tennessee, as oh wow, we can't just push them over anymore. I think that's the point that they want to get to. I, I don't necessarily think that all of a sudden they're going to be there this year, but I could definitely see it. You know, over the next couple of seasons, especially if Trevor Lawrence continues to grow, because I saw a guy who looked like he was. Um, one of the best quarterbacks that I've seen in terms of being able to just put the ball where it needs to be and then that arm philosophy, the, 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 the anticipation, things like that in little spurts. So, you know, if you can hone that and bring it out, then, you know, the sky's the limit. Demetrius Harvey, Big Cat Country, joining us here on 3 and Out. Finally, Demetrius, uh, the the thousand-foot view here is got obviously plenty of time for uh, to, to go through this process. Got to get the head coach, the GM, but – here today on January 27th, you're trying to fix the Jaguars. What are you doing with your first pick in the draft? Oof. Yeah, I mean, I, I went back and forth on this. I don't think I'm ever going to change it. Um, Evan Neal or uh, Tavon Thibodeau, those would be, you know, one of my two options there. The, it, it, it just makes sense. You know, you have to protect Trevor Lawrence if you're going to go after a guy like Evan Neal. And then, in my opinion, Tavon Thibodeau has the best, um, the highest ceiling out of any defender in the class, at least as a pass rusher, for sure. Um, and those are the kind of premium talents that you're going to want. So, um, if I if I had to choose between the two right now, this second, Evan Neal, the Jaguars are not going to have a guy in Cam Robinson if they don't want to re-sign him. So they're going to need somebody to play that tackle position. While they have Walker Little, there's also question about Jawan Taylor on the right side and terms of how good he can be. So Evan Neal would be my pick if it were to made today. Demetrius Harvey, Big Cat Country, our guest here on 3 and Out. Demetrius, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Demetrius Harvey joining us here. And again, uh, we'll see when the Jaguars come with an announcement, as he has said. And I went and uh, watched uh, his Twitter feed from earlier today. He said, look, I'll, I'll say it, 99.9% feel like it's going to be 
Uh, you know, Byron Leftwich as the head coach, you just got to obviously work out some things uh, to make that happen, but he expects that it will happen there in Jacksonville. Yeah, and I think that would excite a lot of people. I think, Kevin, you asked the question, would it energize the fan base, a fan base that is dealt with a lot? They were wearing and, clown masks yeah, last game. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the answer is yes. And I, I know you were bad last year. I know, uh, you know, you can say, hey, you have all these draft picks and all this free agency money. You got to go out and get better. But I think this will be a start, a real start. Listen, Byron Leftwich, I mean, he uh... – not just being a you know an incredible coach and incredible offensive mind, he resonates with today's players. I think too often the times we get caught up in how many wins, how can they uh, you know make a you know make a huge step from you know year one to year two. You want to have a guy that understands what you're doing. Nobody's going to understand Trevor Lawrence more than Byron Leverage. I think he was, I think he's the first first round pick. I think uh, at quarterback. I think in Jackson in Jacksonville history. Don't remember where they got Mark Brunel at. If I'm if I'm wrong, I apologize. But I just think that when you think about how much he brings to the table and who he wants to work with, get a man what he want. And I don't know how much he's making right now in Tampa. But he's going to go from that to pitch to nine, ten million dollars a year. Shout out to Mrs. Leftwich. Because <laughs> I mean you have you have earned it, but the shout out to Byron Leverage, I think he'll be a great hire. Great hire. We got more to come. We'll look more at that uh, Jaguars decision there uh at head coach GM and and what's to, to lie ahead for this franchise. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin. Chris Harvey, Big Cat Country joining us here on the program. We had no official announcement or even really concrete speculated announcement that Byron Leftwich is the next head coach at the Jacksonville Jaguars, although a lot of people expect that it's heading that direction for Jacksonville. And as we said, if it doesn't, you would have lost your first, second, and third, at least publicly perceived choices for the uh, the head coaching job. So it looks like Byron Leftwich is going to be there. I asked Demetrius there last, uh, BJ and Ben, to get a chance to kind of follow up with you guys. What would you do if you are Jacksonville trying to fix this roster right now, knowing, hey, I got a quarterback, Former quarterback, I got an offensive-minded guy, allegedly could be the next head coach. What are you looking at doing with that number one overall pick? I think it's clearly, clearly Evan Neal. Uh, and and Unless more, you start lying about, I mean, if you're right. Jacksonville, though, you can't even really lie about being interested in a quarterback. Do you float out hype about all these quarterbacks that well, could potentially I mean, go in the first round, and you say, oh, well, maybe the first pick becomes more valuable because we're going to miss our guy. But outside of that, I mean, you, everybody knows you don't need a quarterback. Right, so I don't think that's going to help. I mean, I think Evan Neal, Trevor Lawrence is your franchise. Trevor Lawrence is the future. He's the here and now. He's all the jerseys. Everybody's wearing 16. Everybody's, you know, Trevor Lawrence is selling shirts with his face on. It, it, it's Trevor Lawrence, okay? Your offensive tackle situation is a little... In flux, you have Cam Robinson, who did a good job this year, but he's a free agent, mm-hmm. and there's already uh, questions being asked. Are you going to give him the money he's probably going to command on the open market? Jawan Taylor at right tackle got off to a good start, did not play well last year. And then you have a second-year player moving forward in Walker Little out of Stanford who you like but hasn't started much. So of your top three tackles, you have a guy who a lot of people predict is leaving, a guy who did not have a good season by all accounts, and a young guy. And Evan Neal would also be a young guy, but most pundits say he is a prototypical foundational offensive line piece. He's 6'7", 350. And with all due respect to Kayvon Thibodeau, with all due respect to Aiden Hutchinson, they don't protect Trevor Lawrence. And you have Josh Allen. Josh Allen can't do it all by himself. We've seen that. I mean, he's he's had sacks, and the Jaguars have still lost a lot of games. You have to get better along the defensive front. But which is more immediate and pressing and important right now in my mind, adding a second pass rusher or adding a bona fide, can't miss, you know, anchor that's going to protect Trevor Lawrence for the next decade? I think it's Evan Neal. I think we're kind of overthinking it. 
It is. And the thing is, too, BJ, I mean, the one thing we've seen, you know, uh, with the Jaguars team, they've tried to address uh, the D-line situation, right? I mean, Chason, you're talking about Josh Allen, you're talking about Tavon Bryan. And even if you go get a pass rusher, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't make your team better. The thing about Trevor Lawrence is he's proved, Tre- Trevor Lawrence has proven that he can take the bumps and the bruises without having a, a rock-solid offensive line. We talk about Juwan Taylor, who, I mean, he's built to play right tackle, didn't have his best season last year. You're going to you go out and get a young left tackle, and you got all these guys still on rookie contracts. That's that's the biggest thing is you still have money to go out there and hopefully address some of these positions in, uh, you know, uh, in free agency. But, yes, you have to protect the franchise. I go back to uh, Cincinnati. I mean, two years in with Joe Burrow, they in the AFC Championship game. They have to go out there and address these offensive lines. I know that it's all about these sexy picks, right? You want to get the cornerbacks. You know, you want to get these uh, big-time wide receivers. You want to get these, uh, you know, outside, uh, you know, pass rushes. But but the franchise, where's number 16? You want to do all you can to keep him upright, to build his confidence. That way, by the time you put a team together, he's not beat up. Because that's what usually happens. Put a team together where the guy that got beat up so much, man, now he's seeing ghosts like he's Sam Darnold. So, yes, you go out there and make the common sense pick, and you get an Evan Neal, and you live with the result. Because this is why. Now, Kayvon Thibodeau is not a Johnny-come-lately type player. Been the number one player coming out three years ago and didn't tail off. I'm I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. Aiden Hutchinson came all of a sudden, and people losing their mind. That makes me nervous, man. And the thing about Aiden Hutchinson is this. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. But the hype train in the National Football League is undeniable. It happens every single year. You know who Aiden Hutchinson reminds me of? Mitchell Trubisky. That stuff scares me because if he doesn't play well, then, then all the niggas are well. If you go back to – so I, I think it's Evan Neal. It's a team like Jacksonville. They need they need a whole bunch of help. You get Evan Neal. You try to you try to you try to address other needs in the rest of the draft. But if you go on the number one overall pick, we talking about a, we talking about a guy you playing plug for the next ten years. And outside of a Aaron Rodgers or a surefire quarterback, it's got to be a left tackle. And Kevin, I, there's no way to know. Okay, right. you can go off the mock drafts and get a sense. But I think you could theoretically get a good edge rusher in. In, in the second round. I know I've seen some mock drafts that have uh, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, who is a probably a 3-4 yes. edge rusher. Well, Jacksonville currently runs a 3-4. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward, but I think if you stay in that scheme, he's being projected in kind of the 25 to 35 range. If he's there, he would be a great fit. I mean, you have guys like Nick Benito out of Oklahoma. I mean, I, I think with, with, with tackles, and I mean, Ben, you would know this better than me. I think with, with tackles, sometimes there's a more dramatic drop-off from kind of the top five, top ten to second, third-round guys than there is at other positions because when you have bona fide, you know, six, seven, three fifty. 350, Drew Armand's told us how athletic and mobile and agile uh, Evan Neal is. You're talking about a, 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 a very rare player. Came in and started every single down uh, as his uh, true freshman at Alabama in the SEC with those expectations. I think you're, you're more likely – to find a productive pass rusher in the second round, more years than not, than a productive starting offensive tackle. I think I think a big misconception about the National Football League is, and we begin to talk about round for round. If you are top sixty-four pick, you are you are suited to be a starter. You mean to tell me out of every football player in college football, you are in the top sixty-four players? You are you are slotted to be a starter. So when people say, "Oh, they fell to the second round," that means out of every position or every player, you are a top sixty-four pick. So BJ, if Jermaine Johnson does slide to the second round. 
I mean, he probably had a first-ground grade, but guess what? It's a bunch of guys got first-ground grades and slipped to the second because only 32 going in the first. It doesn't mean – and sometimes you're getting quality in the second round that has first-ground talent all over them. So I do think when you when you start talking about the, uh, the draft, every single player is a gamble. Every single player is a man. You reaching for, for player one to player 256 or whatever, you, it's a reach. I mean, the greatest, the greatest, uh, the greatest um uh tight end of all time was a second round. His name is Gronk. He did not go in the first round. So I'm telling you, there is quality in the second round. And if you can get uh, you know, first round talent, second round, these guys are still slated to be uh starters, uh, or at least compete for a starting spot. Yeah, again, a lot of things for Jacksonville to uh, to take a look at here in in the draft. But as you said, you went and got Trevor Lawrence. Why? Because he was your franchise option. Give him every option to succeed. BJ, I know this will make you blush. You think back to Blaine Gabbert. Thanks. And that's one of my favorite guys. But because it's like Blaine Gabbert was drafted high. And everybody said, oh, they're going to sit. He's going to get a chance to learn. Yeah, sure He's going to get a chance to chance. develop. Nope, game three starter. You're in there. And you look around and go, okay, he's throwing to these guys. And we don't have much of a running game. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how come he's not successful? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it ain't rocket science. It is not right. Give the guy protection and the ability to go out and make plays. We got more to come here. Three and out. Southern Pigskin.